This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. We're on week three of Jazz Blues Month here on the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, where we are diving in deep to jazz blues and ultimately learning how to master it to become great jazz blues improvisers, because if we know how to play the jazz blues inside and out, we have an unfair advantage at playing all other jazz standards. And so on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the three pillars of jazz blues language that you need to know that you need to dive deep in in order to proficiently improvise over jazz blues and take killer jazz blues solos. Let's jump right to it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host... He's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Woo! Jazz Blues Month, everybody. We are in week number three. My name is Brent. I'm the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. I am so excited for today's episode, as I always am. I know I say that every single week, but I am indeed excited for today. We're going to be diving into the three pillars of jazz blues language. Yes, we don't have one pillar. We don't have two pillars, but we have three pillars, three different idioms that we need to really dive into today to understand how to navigate a jazz blues and how to start improvising over it in an authentic and uh, proficient way. So this is going to be awesome. Really excited about this. And just a little just a little spoiler alert here. No, it's not just a bunch of scales. No, it's not just a bunch of licks. So if you're thinking to yourself right now, well, well then what is it, Brent? Well, I'm glad you asked. You're going to have to keep listening to the episode until the very end, of course, because uh, there are lots of goodies uh, that we need to talk about and dive into. And I know you're going to find this episode incredibly beneficial. And if you have not heard the news yet, we are doing Jazz Blues Month this month on the podcast because in October 6th, Sunday, October 6th, 2019, we are launching my brand new jazz blues course called Jazz Blues Accelerator. This is an incredible course that me and the team have been just sweating over. We've just been pouring all of our effort into this. It, you know, I don't want to say this too loudly, so just between you and me, this may be the best course we've ever done. And I say that because a lot of people's courses out there are just a bunch of information, right? Just here's a bunch of exercises and a bunch of licks and a bunch of material where, of course, we do have some of that in there. But what I offer in all my courses, and especially this one, is a real process for transformation, not just like, here's a bunch of stuff, good luck, have fun. It's like, no, here's an actual step-by-step process with community, with holding each other accountable, with actually getting results. That's what I do because that's I don't want to waste anybody's money. That's, that's honestly what it's all about. Um, I want real transformation. So uh, I'm also offering a free masterclass on the 6th called Boost Your Jazz Blues. 
Uh, that's the only way to get invited into the course. So if you want to sign up for that, both to just get the free masterclass because the free masterclass is going to be great. And to get invited, you have to go to jazzbluesaccelerator.com. Okay, jazzbluesaccelerator.com. Sign up there and uh, you'll get notified when that free masterclass comes out. All right, let's do it. Let's dig into these three pillars of jazz blues language. Now, in past episodes, we've talked about why you should learn the jazz blues, become a master at it. And uh, really quickly, just to, I want you to listen to that episode if you didn't listen to it. But, uh, you know, the reason we do this is because jazz blues has the most important harmonic elements that are going on in jazz. It's a huge part of the tradition of jazz. It's going to give you an unfair advantage. And then last episode, uh, we talked about strategy number one, which was mapping a jazz blues for improv success. This is really important because at the end of the day, we need to be able to play in any key a jazz blues. And the best way to start doing that is to map it out. We talked about chord tones. We talked about guide tones. We talked about scale maps. We talked about all these different things, not necessarily as uh, an end result, a means to improvise, but as a way to get started and to map out all of our choices. Now, in this episode, we're talking about the actual music, okay? We're talking about the actual music, like the language that we need to develop so that when we're improvising on stage, we sound awesome. I want to tell you a quick story really quick, okay? Before we get started and I dig in, going to play some examples on my guitar, going to show you even a little sneak preview of uh, something from the course today. But I want to start with this story. When I first got into jazz, like serious into jazz, where I was like, hey, I really am interested in this. That's when I was like 18 years old. And I got in a, a kind of locked in with a, a teacher who had some serious students in, in the city I was living in. Um, and I, I really started hanging out with this group of students. And all these students were so talented. And I was, you know, a great rock guitar player and I, you know, all that stuff. So I came in with some chops. I came in, in with some knowledge. Um, so they had a jam session every Thursday night at this local coffee shop. It was a really cool, hip place. Uh, just everybody came out. All the parents came out. All all the students came out. It was like the hang, right? And so I was kind of new. And so um, I came up, and I, I didn't really... I knew how to play a, a jazz blues at this point because my teacher had taught me. Before then, I all I really knew was, you know, kind of like rock blues stuff like... Uh, uh, like this. Right? You get the point, right? Rock, blues, great. All that's great. But, you know, jazz, blues, I didn't really know the language. I didn't know anything. So I go up to this jam session for the first time. And, of course, you know, what's what's called? It's a blues. And, you know, Brent, get up there and play the blues with these guys. Okay? So I get up there. And, you know, first of all, uh, I wasn't the first person to solo. Okay? So, you know, at first I'm like, yeah, I can play the blues, right? I, You know, check this out. <laughs> Right. And that's I probably wasn't even I probably wasn't even playing lines that good, actually. But, you know, that's that's what I thought. Minor pentatonic. Right. We're, we're going to be cool. It's the blues. So then all of a sudden the first student plays, I believe is like a piano player. And this was a really good piano player. And this person is playing stuff that I have no idea, like what's happening right now. Like I was like, wait a second. This sounds like the jazz I've been listening to, like on records, you know, like Wynton Kelly and stuff like that. Like, whoa, this is crazy. And, and so then I'm like, oh, OK, well, I 
wow, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. The next person plays. It's a saxophone player. And, you know, they're playing all these like lines that I'm just like, you know, what, what's, whoa, how did you, what's ah, mind blown, right? Then I get up and play my solo and it's like, you know, right. And nothing wrong with that. Like there's nothing wrong with that at all by any means. But there was a night and day difference between me and everybody else's solo. And that difference was these people knew how to spell out chord changes. They knew how to play them flawlessly in a very musical way. They knew the language. They just knew it. And I didn't know it. And I wanted to know it. And so I wanted to figure out, well, how do I do that? Well, obviously, the mapping stuff was important because I had very limited knowledge of how to navigate a blues. And the mapping stuff that I talked about in last episode... It is critically important for setting the foundation. But I knew I needed to learn the language. So when I'm talking about the three pillars of jazz blues language today, um, the the thing that differentiates this, that's what I meant to say, differentiates this from just like a regular blues, like a, a rock blues or a traditional like early days blues, is we have some different elements going on. We have three different elements. So let's go over them one by one. So the first element is bluesy language, right? Because it's the blues. So um, we're talking about more of that stuff that I just played. Right? This kind of stuff. And so we, we need to know how to play that. But here, here's the deal. Here's the deal that this is very important. I said at the beginning of the episode, this isn't about scales and this isn't about licks. And I'm st- I'm still telling you the truth here. This is not what this is about. There are elements of those things and both of them are good. But at the end of the day, scales are not musical. I, I just said, I don't care if you think the blue scale is musical. Right? I- I'm- that wasn't even a blue scale. <laughs> but it sounded good. So I-, I don't care if you were like, well, no, Brent, but that's how that, you know, that's the easiest way to get into playing the blues. I'm not saying you're wrong, but at the end of the day, that's that's not musical. It's it's more of a musical scale than some, but it's not musical. So we have to make it musical. And then licks are great. Can I show you the first blues lick I ever learned? Um, I, I again, this was this was kind of after that jam session experience. And then I sat down with a teacher at a jazz workshop, and he was like, "Hey, Brent, play this." Ah, whoops. Let's try that again. Okay. All right. And so, well, I found out later that's really pretty much just like the first uh the first part of Sandu, right? But, you know, for me this was a revelation like, whoa. I'm doing this in A. Right? And I was like, "Whoa, that's so cool. I mean, what if I ever went Right? So I thought to myself, "Well, this is cool. I mean, I didn't know that I could play these notes." And it almost seems so obvious because the note choices weren't that hard or difficult or anything like that, but that kind of blew my mind. But here, here is the problem. Once I learned that lick, every single time it was my turn to start playing a solo. Guess how I started it? Right? And then I was like, okay, now what I play? Uh, let's go back to the minor pentaton, right? You see the problem here? Licks are great. Licks are great little important, small informations to learn, but... We, we need to start thinking bigger. We need to start thinking musical. That's where etudes comes in. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I'm a big preacher. And if you're in any of my courses, you know I'm a big preacher of learning jazz solos by ear from the greats. 
Absolutely, 100%. But where etudes plays a different role is etudes are uh, composed pieces of music that are composed specifically to get across a specific element, uh, a specific lesson, uh, a technical ability or skill. Okay, and in my jazz blues accelerator course, uh, etudes is uh, a chunk that is important to the the mess, right? The the, the uh, not the mess, <laughs> the the formula of everything. And why etudes? Because for these three pillars, we need to be working on musical language, not just licks, not just scales. All right. That being said, uh, let's get back to our pillar number one, which is blues language. Now, of course, in jazz theory, in, in teaching jazz music, it is easy to use scales as examples for conceptualizing language. So let's start there. This is not rocket science. Uh, almost all of you probably know this because this is like level one. Think about level one as blues language. Then we're going to go to level two and three. But level one is we got to know our minor pentatonic. So let me, let me switch keys to B flat. So a B flat minor pentatonic scale. It's, it's actually, I played two octaves there, but it's penta, right? Because it's only five notes. One, two, three, four, five, okay? And it's one, flat three, the four, the five, and then it is the seven, right? That is, uh, or the flat seven to be exact there. That is a minor pentatonic scale, okay? Pretty simple, pretty simple stuff. And you all know this scale. Now, notice how I started with the, the pentatonic scale and not the blue scale, that's because I sort of don't believe in the blue scale, <laughs> right? And I know I know that everybody knows the blue scale, but I sort of don't believe in the blue scale. Uh, why don't I believe in the blue scale? Because the blue scale is really just a minor pentatonic scale with a sharp four, a flat five, whatever you want to call it, right? Because this is the minor pentatonic scale I just played. And this is a blue scale. And you go up to, go up to the octave note, right? You're just adding a, a chromatic passing tone in between, so it's fine. I don't, I don't mind that people call it the blue scale. That's totally cool. But those are the two tools you have. That blue note we call it the blue note, the, the sharp four there, right? That blue note has that tension in it that, uh, you know, that makes it sound, for lack of better of a term, bluesy, right? So those are really the best ways, in my opinion, to conceptualize blues language so if you don't know how to play your minor pentatonics and your blues well i mean again just the minor pentatonic but also just add that chromatic note in all 12 keys um in if, if you're if you're an instrument that has different positions like if you're a piano player you don't have to worry about this uh, i'm not so sure if you really have to worry about it so much as a saxophone player um trumpet player maybe uh trombone player maybe guitar player like me yes you need to learn different positions of how to play that you probably want to be able to do that right because that's just a scale, that's a, a, a pitch collection of notes that's going to help you start developing that language and just understanding the blue note and be able to play that in two octaves, right? Okay, but so again, once we have the tool, which in this case, minor pentatonic scale, we have that tool now, but now you have to create music. So that's something that can help you. Again, a tool, like think about a wrench. A wrench helps you, you know, put together the IKEA furniture, right? I had to put together a bunch of IKEA furniture uh, recently, so I'm a little bit scarred uh, right now, but I'm getting over it. So, you know, but that's just a tool to help you, right? It's not going to, you need a lot more going on than that to make the final thing, right? So it's just a tool. So that's where the etudes comes in. 
Now, there's two parts to this. So one is learning language. So you want to find an etude or even just a solo that you like. And I, and it needs to be short. It needs to be short. An etude, in my mind, is short. It's not long. So it could be just one chorus or two choruses. You find an etude that really exemplifies this blues language. Now, it's a little hard if someone doesn't compose it for you or it doesn't, right? I mean, having something that's composed specifically for that purpose is helpful. That's why etudes are great. In my Jazz Blues Accelerator course, we have an award-winning pianist who created uh, and touring pianist who created uh, the uh, the blues etude. It wasn't me this time. I took a break from that, okay? But you have that, that, that language. That's part one. Part two is once you've learned that, and, I, and again, I'm not talking about the process yet. That's going to be coming in next in the next episode. But once you've learned that, at some point, you have to kind of take that concept and create your own. And that comes to composing your own short etude, maybe just 12 bars, right? Where you're composing your own idea, not improvising, but composing. You can, of course, practice improvising using your tools. But at the end of the day, you need to take that language that you learned, not the scale, but the language you learned in that etude, Take those lessons and then go, okay, now how can I create something? That's a critical step in the process because if you're just simply learning language all the time, that's super critical, but then you need to start figuring out, okay, what did I learn from that? All right, well, here's what I learned. And then you write your own thing, okay? You're like, well, what what did I learn about that la- of the, the jazz blues language I just learned? Okay, I learned this. And then you compose something. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the most mind-blowing solo or etude ever, but you did it, right? And you use those tools and use those language that you learned, okay? That's pillar number one. So we need to be learning bluesy language, for lack of better of terms. The tool, minor pentatonic scale, yes, sharp four, make it a blues scale, all that stuff. Then we learn an etude, right? We learn a piece of music that makes sense to that concept. Then we create our own with that knowledge we learned, okay? All right, step number two, or rather, pillar number two. Pillar number two is spelling the chord changes. This is where we start moving towards jazz, playing the chord changes. So it's important to distinguish the difference between pillar one and pillar two, because in pillar one, right, we're not really spelling out the chord changes now of course a good just straight up blues player is going to add those elements in there right but when we're talking about jazz blues here it's all about spelling out chord changes okay it's all about being able to hear the changes i mean i'm sure you've felt that before right like i wish i could make the changes i wish i could play the changes like in general that's the sound that we're hearing where we're like hey I wish I could sound like my favorite jazz musicians. And a lot of times, especially when we're talking about beginner or intermediate jazz players, we're talking about this difference between the ability of playing the chord changes, okay? So again, mapping helps a lot. Mapping helps a lot. The chord tones, the guide tones, and the scale maps, right? Because that really helps us know what the important notes are and what our note choices are. But here's where we have to start making it music. So let's go over the tools, uh, the tools though, right? I talked about some tools for the last one, the bluesy language. So what are the tools for this one? First of all, keep it simple, stupid. You've heard that before, right? Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. No reason to make it overcomplicated. Let's just use, um, basically what the, the tools are the modes and the chord tones, okay? The, 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 the modes and the chord tones. So again, let's start with the chord tones because that's the most important thing to me, the chord tones, not the scales, the chord tones. So 
We're playing a B-flat blues. We know root, third, fifth, seventh, right? Then we got E-flat seven, root, third, seventh, right? Root, third, five, seven. And, okay, let's skip ahead a little bit with the two, five, one, right? Root, third, five, seven. Right? We need to be able to play those, right? But obviously, we need to be able to play those connecting them together using voice leading. Talked about that in the mapping episode, the last episode. But uh, we, we have more tools, right? Because we have the modes as well. So we have the Mixolydian mode. Right? That's basically all the notes in between the arpeggio there. And, you know, same thing for E flat, uh, e flat 7. Right? But you're noticing right now... Here's Dorian. Oops. Right? You're noticing right now that this is not, this is so far from music, right? So that's where the tools fail us. Like, the, the, the tools are fine. We need the tools, but this is where they fail us. We need to start figuring out how to connect them together. Okay? We need to start figuring out how to connect them together. So this is, again, where the etudes comes in. Having an etude that doesn't use a bunch of other stuff, doesn't use, you know, uh, you know, a, a combination of everything, which is, you know, that's what a great jazz solo does, right? But is only focusing on spelling the chord changes and doing so in this in the sense of chord tones and modes, not a bunch of chromatic notes, not a bunch of any of that stuff, but doing so using those tools in a way to spell out the chord changes. Okay, that's level two because. First, you have that bluesy language, which you need. That's part of the blues language, right? Then you need to know how to start spelling out the chord changes. So all of a sudden, you're coupling those two together, and a beautiful thing is starting to happen, right? We're starting to have some real strong musical stuff start to happen. I'm not going to play an etude for that. I'm going to show you an etude for for the last blues pillar that we're going to go over in a second. But essentially, if I were just to start improvising over a blues losing strictly that stuff, right? That was just a quick example there, right? I wasn't using anything special there. That was just a little bit of blues language, a little bit of modal playing, connecting the chords together, okay? Basic, basic, basic. But we need to start being able to play stuff like that fluently. So we start with an A2. Then what do we do? Then we create our own, all right? Again, in the next episode, we're going to talk a lot about the process. It's uh, the, my, my secret sauce for mastering a jazz blues. So all this is the what Next episode is the how. The how is so important because the what is just, it doesn't matter, right? If you don't know how to actually put it into action and practice it, right? Okay, um, I'm, that's all I'm going to do for that one. That is pillar number two. So pillar number one, blues language. Pillar number two, connecting the chord changes, playing the changes. The best way you can start doing that is chord tones and using the modes to fill in the blanks and to keep it simple, right? All right, so let's go over pillar number three. Pillar number three. This is very important to jazz blues, specifically jazz blues, and that is bebop language. Bebop language, right? 
This is really important. So we all know that bebop is important to jazz, right? 1940s, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, they're the ones that spearheaded this um, sort of off-brand of jazz at the time. Before that, it was all swing and dance music. You know, troops were coming back from World War II, and then they were going to the clubs to listen to some good dance music. And guess what? It sounded nothing like it was before. It was like, what's this Charlie Parker stuff? This sounds insane, right? However, bebop is still one of the main dialects of the jazz idiom today, right? Bebop is huge in modern jazz. It's huge in all the different kinds of jazz that still exist, right? There are still bands like in New York City here, for example, there's still bands that play that old swing or that even the the Dixie stuff like really well, really good, and it doesn't include any of that. But in general, bebop is an important language, a dialect that we need to know as jazz musicians. So we're going to add that to a jazz blues now. So let's go over the tools really quick. What are the tools? Number one, chromaticism. Number one, chromaticism, right? We talked about the Mixolydian mode, right? But what? check this out. Right? That's just, just chromaticism. So, okay, actually, I did a tech, the second technique in there. Oh, well. But chromaticism, right? We're talking about connecting things chromatically. Okay, that bebop is full of chromaticism. Now, the trick with this, of course, is chromaticism is just like, well, chromaticism, Brent, that's like the chromatic scale. No, it's not the chromatic scale, right? That, that is what chromaticism is, but that, again, a scale is not musical. A scale is just a series of notes played in consecutive order. We need to make it musical. Okay, and that's where we get into the tool number two, which is enclosure. Now, I've done a whole episode on enclosure. I mean, I've covered enclosure a million times on this podcast, on my YouTube channel, all of that stuff. If you've been in some of my courses, you know about enclosure. But enclosure is really simple. Enclosure is approaching a diatonic chord tone or a note in the diatonic series of the key center we're in by either a half step or a whole step from above and below. So here's an example for you. Okay, we have a B-flat 7 chord, and I want to target the third of the chord. What's the third of B-flat 7? It's D, right? So let's say I want to target it. Well, I'm going to start from a half step above, then go a half step below, and then land on it. That's the D, okay? So we call it enclosing because you're basically surrounding the target note, the chord tone or whatever you're trying to hit, by either a diatonic note or non-diatonic note. Well, in this case, we start with a diatonic note, and it's a little bit of tension because it's the, the sus4 there. And then we hit the sharp 9, so this is a chromatic note. So diatonic from above, uh, chromatic from below, half-step resolving to the third. That's the most basic kind of enclosure I can really think of. So here's another one. Let's just say in the context of a line. Okay, that's a played again. Okay, so here's where the enclosure starts. Okay, that's above, chromatic, uh, diatonic, below, chromatic, below, then resolve to the third. So in that case, it's a four-note enclosure. Then I go ahead and 
after that third, I land on the root. Okay, so bebop language is full of that. Chromaticism and uh, enclosures and, and other things too, but those to me are the ones that that really stick out for tools that we can use. But again, there's just these are just tools. They're just ways of conceptualizing things, and it's not music until we make it music. So that's where, again, we're going to turn to etudes again that are really specifically going to hone in on these, these topics. So I'm going to go ahead and actually um, play for you one of the etudes in the Jazz Blues Accelerator course. Um, and this is a this is a bebop one. It's called it's <laughs> it's called Bop Till You Drop because we have to be cheesy like that. And uh, so here it is. This is what it sounds like. Okay, so nice and short, because again, like I said, an etude, in my opinion, should be short and really focus on the tools that are being used. And one thing I, I know that you heard in there was that does that did not sound like any of the examples I just gave you, right? Like it didn't sound like the enclosure example I just gave you. It didn't sound like some of the random chromaticism stuff I was showing you, right? Because I was really just showing you the tools. This was actual music. This was actual jazz language. This was bebop language. And in turn, you could hear a lot of things going on there. You could hear me hitting the chord tones that mattered, right? Because those chord tones that were making it sound like I was making the changes, quote unquote, right? And at the same time, you heard that chromaticism in there. And if you listen really closely, you could also hear the different enclosures in there as well. But it's all about making it musical, right? Because it's not all about the tools. I'm sorry that I keep saying that and I keep just impressing this upon you. But it's important that you understand that when we learn how to become great jazz improvisers, it's not about scales and it's not about techniques and cool tricks. Those aren't bad, but what we need is is to learn is language, right? So we have pillar number one, which is blues, right? Blues language, like just straight up. We're not hitting the changes yet, really. We're just playing bluesy stuff, but making it musical, okay? And, and playing language that has to do with that. And then we move up a level to level number two, which is another pillar of jazz language, which is uh, jazz blues, which is playing the changes, right? So we're not doing chromaticism and all that stuff now, but now we're adding in this ability to actually hit the changes, to hear the changes come out in a solo, okay? So that's pillar number two, because that's important in jazz language, right? And then we move up to the last pillar, pillar number three, which is bebop language. So being able to play bebop lines over top of a blues. And we can add all three of those in there. I mean, pillar number two and pillar number three, they work hand in hand, because you can't play bebop without spelling out the changes. That's that's what bebop is all about, right? But bebop takes things to the next level, adds more flavor and spice to it, targeting non-diatonic notes, chromaticism, uh, enclosures, all that stuff. But then you also have that blues, blues language that you want to incorporate. So can you imagine that if you learned all three of these pillars, like if you started actually learning this language and figuring out how to start making it for yourself, how this could be insanely powerful, right? If you're able to combine those three elements, this is probably some of you are thinking right now, well, Brent, this is like, this is, this would probably start making me sound like 
the, the musician I always, I always wanted to sound like. I start improvising lines at my gigs and jam sessions the way I've always wanted to. Or maybe I won't be afraid to go to a jam session because I can actually play that way. Well, I'm 100% with you. The, I, that is, that's exactly what we're aiming for. So the idea is we have to learn this language in order to truly get it. The tools are there to help us, but at the end of the day, we got to learn this language. Now, again, I mentioned that all of this is great. You know, I mean, this is the what. Uh, I think we started out in our first episode, I get, uh, our first episode of Jazz Blues Month. I just gave you the reasons why you need to master a jazz blues to be a great jazz improviser, like how it's going to give you unfair advantage. That's the that's the why, and the why is really important. And then we've moved into the what. So last episode we talked about the mapping, right? That's going to make you just proficient, absolutely proficient. And then today we talked about the language. That's just more what. But we haven't discussed yet is is the how. And the how is the most important part, hands down. Because if you don't have method, if you don't have a process that will guarantee that you will master this language, then you're just regurgitating stuff. You're just going to be running around in circles making slow progress where my goal for you is to accelerate that progress. And that's what I that's what I personally specialize in. I believe in this online jazz education space is not just giving you stuff, but really giving you a process and helping you figure out how to do things in a way that are really going to get you results. And it's not going to take you like 20 years to get it right. That's what I'm all about. So I really want you to stay tuned for next episode. But for now, meditate on these three pillars. These are incredibly important. If you have these together, you're going to be just absolutely shooting for the stars and crushing your jazz solos on a jazz blues. All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks so much for hanging out today. I hope you got a lot out of this. I hope that I'm helping you set you up for success for just completely rocking it on jazz blues. And that that's that's what I want, obviously. Um, now, like I said, we're going to be talking about the how in the next episode. In next episode 187, which is the last episode of Jazz Blues Month, by the way, we're going to be going over strategy number three, the secret sauce for mastering a jazz blues. This is the This is the how. And uh, just to get this out front, yes, it does have something to do with all 12 keys in case that you're thinking that in your head. It does have something to do with that, but it's it's so much more than that. So much more than that. So I really want you to be subscribed to the show. Make sure that uh, you're signed up for my mailing list. Make sure you're locked in because I don't want you to miss that episode. I'm really excited about all of this. Um, like I said, I'm also just excited about the Jazz Blues course that I'm coming out with on October 6th, which is really the best way I can serve you all um, over and above just the free content I come out with. It's really where I give away my best stuff and uh, the real transformation happens. And and again, I also said this before, um, on October 6th, when the course is officially launched, I'm giving away a free masterclass called Boost Your Jazz Blues. And that's the only way you can get invited into the course is if you're signed up for that. And regardless, if you take the course at the end or not, you're just going to get a lot of value from that masterclass. And that is, uh, you can sign up for that at jazzbluesaccelerator.com. So jazzbluesaccelerator.com. Go over there. We'd love to see you in the masterclass. Of course, would love to see you in the course at the end as well. All right. We are going to be concluding Jazz Blues Month here on the podcast next week, and I'll see you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast. 
brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask. That's LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.